4: Now back to 95.7 The Game.
1: Guess who we're talking about? No, not Steph Curry. We've been talking about him. We'll talk about him more. Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings on 95.7 The Game with Game 5 of the Finals coming up tomorrow night. We're talking about Draymond Green. What is wrong with Draymond Green? I'm not convinced he's 100% healthy. No matter what is going on with him, no matter what happens the rest of the way, Evan, one thing we agree on, and we're finding out there aren't There aren't a lot of those things, as it turns out, between us. But we agree that in that fourth quarter, Draymond, he played well. He made some big time plays in the fourth quarter.
3: And I think that's where his effectiveness comes into play. Like he can do it for three to four minute stretches, maybe not over eight to ten minute stretches anymore. He he can be effective, you know, a possession here or there, but when he gets to lock in, especially down the stretch of games where You know They got their starting five out there. You got your starting five. You know exactly what they want to do, and it it just comes down to who can execute better. I think Draymond almost fits better in less of a free flow because he's not the guy. I know that at the beginning of Game 4, we saw him sprint up in, in transition, try and push the pace like old Draymond, but he doesn't have as much of that energy bunny in him as he used to. And so I almost think when he gets to... You know, kind of play the, the free safety position when it's in a half court set, and he's on defense. He can kind of orchestrate everything and be the quarterback of the defense. That's where he's at his best, and I'm glad that he was at his best down the stretch because they needed him to be in order to win that game. Do you
1: remember a couple plays here? I think it was Game Three. Uh, Robert Williams has about the base and shoots like a eight footer and misses, and Draymond's there, and Draymond just kind of turns to the basket and doesn't even consider the possibility of boxing him out right and williams gets the ball and scores you remember Draymond shooting a two-footer and shooting at one foot do you remember that one
3: yeah. he came up short on a two-footer and i think but, that that's where he might be overthinking sh- things like like you were talking j- about
1: j- short on, that's why i think he's he's not 100% john dickinson who um john dickinson's back from boston you know what he's doing today sleeping going to the giants game Wow. Good yeah. for J.D. Yeah. I love that for him. Yeah. Uh, he'll be back on the air tomorrow, of course. J.D. says uh, he just thinks it's a bad matchup for Draymond physically, which makes a lot of sense, too. But Charlie, our friend Charlie, loyal listener in New York, said it is just irresponsible that Draymond is such a bad offensive player at this point. So we have a rebuttal to that. We appreciate Charlie listening. Uh, we have Greg in Grass Valley with us on ninety-five-seven. The Game. Greg, thanks for hanging on. What's on your mind?
5: Hey, how's it going? Good. I appreciate Charlie in New York, and, and obviously he's more than a casual fan, but look at what Draymond is. Look at the matchup that we have right now. Probably the best outfit team to take us on in the Celtics. Speed, length, size, skill, everything they have, they've got to throw at us. Obviously, Draymond is not at the top of his game, but this is a guy who regularly puts up triple doubles in the regular season, was doing it early in the playoff seasons, in early in the series before... Now they've met the Celtics. He's obviously had two terrible games, but I just I can't see criticizing his work ethic right now. Like, it kind of it hair stands on my back when, when I when I think that Draymond's getting criticism for his offensive game. So this is what I have.
1: <laughs> Thank you Greg. I appreciate that. I yeah. I think it's certainly fair to criticize his offensive game. Just if you're going to criticize his work ethic, I think we may be going beyond what we actually know. Uh from the 510, continue to make excuses. It's sickening. Well, something's going on. So we're not looking for excuses. I'm looking for a reason why Draymond is. You know what? People said Game Three was so bad, and it was Game One was worse. And this is the Finals, and Draymond hasn't been showing up. He just got benched because of that. So, what is going on? And bless everyone to this point for not mentioning it's the podcast because I don't, I don't I'm not buying that at all, Evan. Maybe you are, but I just think that's uh that's kind of a knee jerk response.
3: I'm not. I'm with you, so I'm not totally there with the podcast. But I do. I want to take it a step further. Actually, I think the podcast has been good for Draymond. I ah. think it's been therapeutic because, especially with how bad he's playing, he has a chance to talk everything out. And a lot of times, that's pretty much what you need. Like when you had, when you don't have the answers, you just need to start spitballing, talking to yourself, throwing things at the wall. And I think the podcast is a way for him to. You know, I don't know if he's coming up with the entire rundown, but he's obviously thought about each of the segments and what he wants to go through. So he has to compartmentalize his game within the overall scope of the series and the NBA season. You know, He's talking about legacies. He's talking about different... He bl- he breaks down the game in a lot of ways that I enjoy, and I think that has almost given him an, an outlet to sort of blow off and forget <laughs> three of the four very forgettable games for Draymond Green, and I also think it's a way for him to show appreciation for if there's you know, a win or a loss for other players that do play well, and, ma- and maybe it's a reach, and maybe I'm making excuses like the five one zero is saying, but I think that the podcast has been really the one area he's been able to control, and that is something that I think has been therapeutic for him.
1: 888 Judy joins us from Moraga 95.7 The Game. Hey, Judy, what's up?
6: Hey, thank you so much for taking this call. I've been trying for a long time to get on, and I really appreciate it. I wanted to talk about Dreamon and how I think this is such an emotional issue. I don't think it has anything to do with his capabilities. I think he's still insanely strong. I think he's an incredible, literal heart of the team. I think his accountability for his performance is nothing short of beautiful. The hard part is, I don't know how he could withstand those, How I won't use the bad word I was going to use, uh, Celtics fans chanting FU Draymond and that not getting in your head. If you look at that kind of stuff online, you can just uh, delete or look away. I mean, that's so in your face, and I, I think it's really affected him. And one last thing, if you don't mind, about his, his listening to him on his podcast I think he was talking about his little guy being in the stands hmm. and him giving him a bigger life lesson message about this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. And you're just going to have to rise above and you're going to have to show that you're resilient and you're going to have to be a role model. And like end of the game, I'm chasing my little guy down the, you know, down the tunnel and we're laughing and doing all right. I will come back tomorrow and we'll get him. I, I love that. So I, I you know, I'm also sick of the um, just the haters in general. But that's what I have to say. Thank you so much for taking my call.
1: Well, thank you, Judy. Appreciate that. Powerful stuff there. I have a hard time believing that it's, that it's affecting Draymond that way. And you may be 100% right. I just, given that it's Draymond who in the past has seemed to thrive on that, I'm skeptical of that. Maybe you're right. Maybe just the magnitude of it has just been overwhelming. But also, you have the fact that in Game 1, Draymond really played very poorly. That was in San Francisco. So that's why I'm sure that hasn't been easy. And I appreciate your comments, especially in terms of he and his son. But I I don't know, Evan. I know even even Draymond said, boy, I got caught up in
3: it. I don't believe that. And especially because he was coming off arguably his best game in the playoffs. He scored 17 points, which is a postseason high for him in Game 5 to close out Dallas. He was six of seven, made a three in that game, was four of four on free throws, which is very rare for Draymond in this season. And he comes out and lays the egg that he did in game one. Now, I, I don't think that was, you know, had to do with the outside noise or pre- he just didn't play well. And I do think the more that we've talked about it, the back is something that I think we'll hear about after the season is over, whether it be a minor surgery or a touch up here, because he just looks. Hampered, like he looks slower, he looks older, and I think a lot of that has to do with the injury that kept him out for two months, middle of the season.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk to Derek in Richmond on ninety-five seven. The game, Derek, thanks for joining us. What's on your mind, sir?
7: Yes, uh, the issue with Draymond is not his problem. He's just going against bigger, faster, stronger athletes, and that's how it is sometimes with competition. Uh, I used to be in a special group of the Air Force that was uh, related to special forces. And I grew up on the mat as a martial artist. And when we sparred, I know I could whip everyone's behind. And they had a champion who won all year long. And I knew he couldn't handle me. And sometimes he just come across better talent. And uh, Jalen Brown is just a better athlete than him. It's really that simple.
1: Derek, did you ever come across anyone who could beat you?
7: Uh, the people who beat at me were my big brothers when I was a young kid. And I I, I came across, uh, when I was like a preteen, uh, all kid We had 10 U.S. kickboxing champions that were young adults and teenagers. So uh, I... Less
1: to always win. <laughs> I pity the fool that thinks he could beat Derek from Richmond. I don't want any part of Derek. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate that. That is potentially part of it. And that's, as I've mentioned, that's what John Dickinson has been saying. It's like, and I know sometimes watching, you know, bad basketball over the years as well as good basketball, um, sometimes you look flat, like where's the energy when you're just physically outmatched. Sometimes it looks like you're not trying when it's really, I'm trying, but they're just stronger, bigger, faster than I am.
3: I also think Draymond is smart enough to know that that's the one thing that he can't talk about on his podcast. He can talk about playing poorly he can talk about even being emotionally you know not there kind of giving in to the to the fans and the crowd in Boston that are chanting all these obscenities at him but the one thing that he can't give them is a physical edge you can you can have the mental stuff all you want but you can't know that my back is or isn't compromised
1: absolutely even his mom and I don't know maybe maybe there isn't anything wrong and maybe if there is she doesn't know but when she was on uh, with Shasky and Bonte. You know, she she mentioned how difficult that was, but then on Twitter a couple nights ago, when someone was, she says, stop asking me, I don't know what's wrong. But that's the last thing she's ever going to do either, right? Is it, oh, you you guys don't understand, uh, Draymond's back is killing him. That, you know, she's not going to do that.
3: And there was only, I know there has been limited rest, especially in the Western Conference Finals, it was every other day, but and there's only a day between Game 3 and Game 4 didn't, get a lot of time probably to get as much rehab as he could have hoped. So maybe an extra day of rest in between games four and game five can do him some good because, you know, they have a chance to take a lead in this series and potentially go up for the first time in this series to, you know, they won home court back twice. That's also something that I think has been really interesting about this particular finals in each game, the home court advantage has swung to the other side. So, you know it's effectively a tie a lead change and you just don't really know where it's going to go at this point the one thing i do want to see because i i know that he can impact a game and potentially win you a game when Draymond is at his best i'm hoping that he's saved some of that energy and whatever he has to muster inside of himself for game 5
1: Let's go to Belmont now. Gabe is thirteen, but as you know, Evan wise beyond his years. Gabe, you're on with Evan and Whitey. What's up, sir?
6: Oh, hey! Thanks for taking my call. I really love the show. I just wanted to say um, I noticed like Draymond wasn't at the top of his game. I noticed that his—it's almost like he's not there mentally. Like he's—that's such a huge part of his game—is mental ability because he can really just get in the game and lock in. That is not almost like he's not there all of a sudden, and it's like that's the his whole game, so when that's out of the aspect of the game, it's hard for him to fight back in and get going. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that very much, Gabe. Thanks for hanging on. That's the part of it that I, I can't believe. Now, you may be right, but it's Draymond Green. I can't believe it in the NBA Finals that he, you know, oh, he's losing his focus. Oh, he's not, you know, he's he's not locked in. I know it looks that way. I understand that. and Maybe I'm just wrong, Evan, but I... I have a hard time believing that Draymond in the finals is—he's eh, he's distracted. He's—I—that's why I—I I, I think I suspected the roots of this may be
3: physical, either an injury or just the fact that he—he's a little overmatched. He's either fighting himself or he's fighting Father Time. Like it—it it, just—it seems like I don't—I think he's—I think he's mentally there. I think he knows what he has to do in order to be successful. He just can't do it. And, and that's almost more frustrating than anything else when you know that you're capable of achieving a certain level of competition and ability, but your body just won't let you get there. And I think that's where he maybe you know, gave in and said, the people are in my head because he's in his own head. I, I think Gabe is spot on. He clearly is going through something that he is trying to figure out if he can physically get past, and I just don't know if he'll be able to. Uh, But at least, at the very least, they've proved that if he is compromised, that one, Steve Kerr can recognize that and make the proper decision to get him out when he's hurting the team. And two, they have other players that can help them overcome Draymond when he isn't at his best.
1: Draymond, aside for a minute, who do you want to see more of? Outside of Draymond? Yeah, I mean, I I don't mean this just in terms of, well, if you bench
3: Draymond, then who do Mm. you play? But just in general, which Warriors would you like to see more of? Gary Payton II, I think think he has been not a a, a copy of Draymond when he's at his best, but he's given them what you want Draymond to give you in this series, which is on-ball defense, physical around the rim, kind of has a knack for offensive rebounding, strangely enough, because people sort of forget about him, and he moves well without the ball. He always knows where to be, and he doesn't typically make mistakes when he has it. So, to me, GP2 is the player that doesn't make you any worse when he's on the floor and has the potential to be a plus 5 or a plus a plus 10 in a 10-minute period. So, if Draymond's not out there, I think GP2 gives you enough defensively, which has been the most important part to stopping Boston.
1: And Kevon Looney, too. And I know he played 28 minutes the last game. Steve Kerr, I think, is too honest sometimes. You know, he only played, in Game 3, he played uh, Kevon Looney 17 minutes, less than 17 minutes, and they got destroyed on the backboards. And then, and he's done this before. Coach Kerr has after game four. He goes, you know, I should have played Looney more in the last game, and that's right. But coaches don't always do that. You know what I mean? I think people hear that and they go, well, why didn't you, you dummy? And he's just being honest. I appreciate that from him. But sometimes I think, hey, just keep that to yourself, Coach.
3: No, but also Steve Kerr. For as much credit as we give him for making the the proper move of. You know, in, uh, getting rid of Draymond, then bringing him back at the right time. I think we also have to give him credit for realizing how wrong he was for starting Otto Porter Jr. Because Otto Porter, great shooter, large part in that game, he got played off the floor, and it happened in three minutes. Like, And <laughs> Steve Kerr just looked at the bench and said, but, whew, I, 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 I got this one wrong. Looney, go yeah. save me! He played 20 in?
1: minutes. Can we start the game over?
3: Yeah, he yeah, comes out. He misses his first two threes, or it misses a wide open three off the jump. And it's, if he's not making shots, he's not effective. And so Kerr recognized, as much as Draymond being ineffective, yeah. as his own strategies weren't effective.
1: That was odd. Uh, let's see. We're we're getting pounded on the glass, so I'm gonna. We're not gonna play Looney. And let's go Otto Porter. And, um, you know, I guess they were looking for a mismatch there. They were looking for a mismatch uh, with with Boston's bigs. But, yeah, very quickly it was evident that – nope, sorry. John in San Jose, 95-7 the game. Hey, John, how are you?
8: Hey, I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. So uh, I think this series is going to be a struggle for Draymond because of the drop coverage Boston is playing. Boston has consciously said, hey, Curry, if you're good enough, beat us. They're not going to let their role players be That's very counterintuitive. That's not usually how um, opponents play Warriors, but it is what it is. Um, but that said, uh, all of this, uh, you know, a podcast, etc., that Draymond is doing and all of the excuses people you know, keep making for him. And how? Uh, how is the podcast distracting Draymond? Well, if I'm playing in the NBA Finals and I got a week to go. Other than eating, sleeping, and relaxing, I'm spending every minute maximizing my chances of you know, winning the finals. So how is the podcast helping him? Draymond has been a terrible free throw shooter. There's a book that says if you want to get it good at something, anything that you do on, on a daily basis, you need to put 100 hours at it. And if Draymond spends two hours a day in the gym shooting his free throws, even Shaq corrected his free throws. Why can't Raymond spend that time shooting free throws? Why is he doing podcasts? How is that helping him? I mean he is he's, he's really become arrogant and, and he doesn't listen to anybody and everybody's like almost scared to talk to him in the warriors' camp because Curry's back in him. I think it's time for us to have a different attitude about Raymond and send him a stern message. If that means benching him, let's do that. I, I, I think I'm I'm sick and tired of Draymond. Thank you.
1: Thank you, John. Yeah. And he was benched, but he wasn't benched again because everyone's sick and tired of him or it wasn't punitive. It was like, you're not getting it done. I just think the notion that if he's not doing his podcast, he could be working on his game. I just think that's a little oversimplified because players do do other things and it's not what he's doing with the podcast. It's not that hard. I, I just don't think that's fair. You should be practicing instead of doing your podcast. And I also think you make an interesting point, Evan, which is in some ways maybe maybe it's, it's helping him just to express those things. I don't buy into that at all, though, that podcasts, you should be in the gym right now. He's doing it at home after games.
3: He wouldn't be in the gym anyway. Joel Embiid, runner-up of the MV, uh, league MVP, spends his free time playing video games. He loves video games. He has sponsors. He's involved in esports tournaments. If if he spent that time in the gym, does that mean that he's all of a sudden a, a 10 times better player because he spends more time working? No. That that's a that's an outlet for him to express his other interests. And it's the same thing for Draymond. Just because you spend two hours in the gym every single day doesn't make you... I mean, all right, maybe he shoots a percentage or two better. Like, if I spend two hours doing algebra Whitey, per day, mm-hmm. I'm going to get better at math over the course of a year. That doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden going to become... You know, a Nobel Prize-winning mathematician. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to suddenly improve my ACT scores by twofold. Like it it isn't. We have what we have. We are given the gifts that we have. Draymond's gift is not shooting, and I think trying to force his way through that, especially at this stage in the game, is is just a I don't know, kind of a a misunderstanding. And I, I think we're. Putting the blame in the wrong place.
1: I do think he needs to work on it, but I I can't assume that he's not, and I don't think that he should be working on shooting at the uh, expense of everything else he does. From the five one zero, I agree with this. I don't buy the podcast is Dream on's problem. If he's not doing the podcast, I guarantee he's still talking basketball with someone in a bar or restaurant or hotel lobby. From the five one zero, one the only one who thought Kerr pulling Draymond and Clay, putting them back in was the uh, iPhone reset. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: pretty good, actually. Yeah.
1: Eddie and Vallejo on 95.7 The Game. Whereabouts in Vallejo are you today, Eddie? Uh,
9: On the road from doing some errands, but uh, doing well. Thanks for taking the call, guys.
1: All right. What's Uh, up?
9: I don't think – I would just want to talk about Draymond. I don't think that uh, there's anything necessarily – wrong i just think draymond's getting old he's always been undersized and he's been able to play up to it i think father time is just kicking up on him and i actually think this is actually going to be good for the warriors because if he's not on point and we still win this this really sets up the team to play well which is where i think we went wrong in game one is curry went off and the team relaxed a little bit i think with I think when the team is really going and they see Draymond's not there, everybody's putting that forward um, and moving forward. Right? Draymond's a step behind, and if we get the other guys to recognize that, I think that's all we're going to need. Um, thanks for taking the call, guys.
1: All right. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, I uh, appreciate the call from Vallejo, 707, seat of all knowledge and wisdom. That guy's in Oakland. He joins us on ninety-five seven. The Game. That guy, how are you today?
10: Hey, good morning, fellas! Thank you for taking my call. Um, how's your morning going? By the way,
1: good. That guy, I feel like I talk to you more than I talk to members of my of my own family these days, and I, I appreciate the heck out of that. Yeah, I love Waddy.
10: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks a lot. Hey, uh, at least I'm not in the car wash right now. But uh, uh,
3: that's right. So. That's why I texted you. Sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
10: <laughs> On the whole, Draymond thing, man, we got to give Draymond love. <laughs> I'm literally watching the replay right now uh, of the game. And, you know, I, I think it's a combination. You guys are hitting it on the head here. It's a combination of both. I think he's got an injury going on still. And when you're a high-level athlete like that, which I am not, um, <laughs> you know, that injury plays a role. And in your head, you're trying not to show the world what's going on with you. You're trying to play the top game that you can, but you, can't, you don't want to make a mistake. You know, is a strong defensive team they're playing against. And so he's battling the injury. He's battling his mental thing. And, and so and it's not his offensive game uh, because he's got two or three, in, including Coach Kerr, who's offensive to the max, right? So if he really wanted to improve his game, I just don't think he can right now. I think he's given us every single thing he has. And Coach Kerr taking him out like that, I think – Really did wonders for him. He gave him a rest. He gave him a spell because, look, I'm watching him move around right now, and he's just—he's got one foot, a foot planted, and he's like pivoting. And he's really—and he's not running up the court very strong. But I think Coach Kerr giving him the break like he did helps him. And we don't know their relationship, you know, behind closed doors. I'm sure there's tons of mutual respect between both of these guys and the whole team. So for people to speculate, oh, you know, Kirk, Coach Kerr had it in for him, or he's angry—I no, no. think the respect is there. I think he was on board with everything and moving forward uh, tomorrow night, I'll be in the, in the stadium. We need to say, we love Draymond. There you go. We love Draymond, right? Or Dray, uh, we love you, Draymond, something like that. What do you guys uh, got on that? And you guys have a great day. Why do you take care?
1: Thanks, that guy. appreciate that. I have a, I have a a dream here. That guy that you're going to call us post game uh, me and J.D., and you're going to be going through the car wash, and we're going to be celebrating a Warrior Championship as you're on the phone going through the car wash. I think we love Draymond's better than we love you, Draymond, don't you? I mean, I think the first one's just a little snappier.
3: Yeah, no, I'm with you. By the way, that was the funniest part of your post-game in Game 4. That guy calling in and then asking to be put back on hold because he was going through the car wash. That That's when I texted you. That was the, that was the greatest thing I've
1: ever done. That was nice. It would make sense, Draymond, and they. this is true of everybody, every player on both teams, you know, wearing down physically a little bit, but as someone on the text line pointed out,
3: you know, beginning of the playoffs, Draymond's guarding freaking Jokic. You know? It's hard what they
1: ask him to do.
3: Yeah, and he's he looks like a guy who, as everyone in this postseason, I know we're singling out Draymond, but I think it's happened with probably all the players in both teams, you get worn down over the course of the season. You know, I saw a stat that Kevon Looney has played in over 100 games this season. That is incredible, and the fact that he hasn't worn down. But he's also 26, somehow. He's 26. Draymond is older. He's got way more mileage on his body. And so the deterioration process probably just happens quicker. He's going to be playing game number 23 in the playoffs. He had an injury this year. I don't think it's out of the question to say that. He is worn down.
1: Yeah. And don't you and th- and Cam, I, I know we got a break here. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll break here in just a second. Don't you think, if you're on as proud as we know he is, don't you think it's hard and he's already past this point? But to realize, wow, they're daring me to shoot. The other team wants me to shoot. That's how little they think of my offensive game. Don't you think that's on some level
3: it's a that's difficult to come to that realization? It's a judo move because that's exactly what he would do to himself. He would say, hey, you can't yeah. shoot. Shoot that shot. Prove to me you can do it.
1: Coming up, back to your calls, 888-957-9570. With your help, trying to figure out what's up with Draymond and his step the funnel's MVP win or lose. That's next. Evan Giddings, Whitey Gleason, 95-7, the game.
9: Love you,
10: Draymond. Love you, Draymond. We're on it. We love Draymond. We love Draymond. We love you, Draymond. I want to hear it.
1: If it happens, it's because of Dan Devone and Jim Cozumore here at 95.7, the game you proud home of the Golden State Warriors. We're going to take full and complete credit for that. When we start hearing that chant of love you, Draymond, on Monday when he's at the line, he's going to get fouled, he's going to go to the line, and that's when the fans are going to start cooking it up. And then, they, you
2: know what? If they only had an organ inside Chase Center.
4: Now back to 95-7, the
1: game. Cozen Devone yesterday, and of course, that guy earlier on this show. It's Whitey and Evan Giddings on 95-7, the game. Evan, before we get any further, and we got the calls here, 888-957-9570, got some loose ends to tie up here because I keep saying, coming up, and I, I have a number of these things that I, I haven't gotten to yet, but isn't it just great that we have the Warriors
3: and the Celtics in the NBA Finals right down the street? Yes, it is. And it's also great because we don't know what's going to happen. Like, for all the stuff that we've talked about today, how Steph is, you know, the MVP, how Draymond is the LVP, how, you know, Clay is this and that, and Wiggins was fantastic. The Celtics have been up and down. We don't know what's going to happen. That is the beauty of sports. And even though at the end of the series, people will write their stories and assign legacy credit and blame to certain sides. To me, this is what I enjoy the most is not knowing what I'm going to get because as Warriors fans, we haven't really had that. I mean, you have to go back all the way probably to 2015 to look at a team that you didn't know if they were going to win the championship or not, and this is the most difficult road that they have had to get to this point, and they're going to have an even tougher road in the next three games if they want to win at all.
1: You mentioned the LVP, least valuable player. You know who Amin El Hassan
3: is? <laughs> yeah, I do. And yes. he's
1: been, you know, and he's been in the league. I mean, he knows what he's talking yeah. about in NBA on serious. And he's been like a video coordinator.
3: He says
1: the LVP for the Warriors is Steve Kerr. Wow!
3: What? That is pretty shocking. What? After yeah. Well, I, okay, so I know again, we're talking about the stories that are written game to game. I know there were a few from the Boston a side of things that we're talking about how udoka was coaching circles around kerr and using timeouts the way they should kerr didn't know what was going on i don't know if that necessarily was the way i perceived it but you got to take that back if you're mean after game four with the way that kerr handled everything mm-hmm. from realizing that his starting lineup was not going to work and trashing it immediately i know that some people may put that as a negative but in me I think recognizing your own flaws and mistakes and being able to do that on the fly is something that is valuable from a coaching perspective. And then, of course, recognizing that one of the members of the big three was hurting you and you needed to take him out of the game until it was the proper time to get him back. Kurt, to me, coached a masterpiece in game four, even though Curry's the one that we're, that we're going to remember. From the 925, how many times have they given the finals MVP to the losing team's player?
1: I guess I could Google it, but I'm driving, and where's the fun in that? feel like you guys
3: would know, and I'd much rather hear you all pontificate on it. Jerry West, the only guy, right? And wasn't it the first ever finals MVP given out? And that's one of the reasons why it hasn't been since, because people were like, well, what the hell? The guy who was on a losing team got the MVP. What are we doing here? I could be wrong about that, Whitey. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: we'll have to double-check on that one. But, yeah, the great uh, Jerry West. From the 510, the chant should be <laughs> Draymond's podcast. <laughs> He'd be way more stoked to hear that. I think that's a little sarcastic text there. You know? Yeah.
3: I don't know if I should read that one from the 510. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. No, I, I'm, I'm with him. Like, it's whatever. Honestly, if chanting Draymond's podcast brings the game right. to Draymond Whatever out of him, him. let's yeah. do it. It's right. I love Draymond, Draymond's podcast. Podcast is the best. Draymond's number one. Whatever we got to do to get him out of this funk. Uh, was that pre or post logo?
1: You know, that's a great question. Some believe it was actually from the series in which the logo was 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 adopted because it was at 1969 that Jerry West was the Finals MVP. When 69 they Finals, yes. 69. Okay, that was the Celtics and the Lakers. I just read a book about that. There was a, there's a picture from a play in that series where Jerry West is dribbling around somebody, and some people think that's the picture. That that's the one that you know the NBA hired some designer and said come up with a logo. And the guy went through a bunch of pictures and 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 they had the logo, and people think that's the picture Jerry West that he used. For the logo. So the answer I believe is it was during that series that they actually took the picture that they used for the logo.
3: Oh, it wasn't Bob Cousy dribbling with his right hand, which was all he <laughs> could do up and down the court. Hey, the Houdini I'm, of I the hardwood, was, mister. That was a cheap shot. Also, I do pat myself a in the ch- back. Cheap shot at Bob Cousy. We're gonna let a get a lot of calls on that. That's yeah. a three. Thank you. No, and, and it was the first ever Finals MVP awarded. All right. But <laughs> He did this. He averaged 38 points. Like, I, I know that people were talking about, you know, LeBron should be finals MVP when he's losing. and, and But I, I think if, I don't know, just looking at the box score of the 1969 NBA finals, he was clearly the best player.
1: <laughs> yeah. John Havlicek had a good series, didn't he, for the South? I don't know if you still have it up there.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's uh. Will Chamberlain, you know, one I remember well series. from back in yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah. Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't remember. It's like Shakespeare. I don't remember Shakespeare, but I know about it, Evan. So, what was <laughs> so Born then? You should still know your history. 888 957 9570. Big Dave. Well, I remember Shakespeare a little. <laughs> Big Dave in San Leandro joins us 957 the game. What's up, BD? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, some of the Warrior fan base, you know, in terms of Draymond Green, you hear it like throughout the regular season, too. If he's not having a good game, quick to jump on him, trade him for Simmons, whatever. You know, I understand he's not having good games, but at the end of the day, if we get Draymond Green to step it up and have a couple good games in a row, we're going to win the championship. Because He's been playing like crap. But if he can play the right way like the Draymond we all expect, which I expect he will, because, again, he's always stepped it up. And one, one other note, one thing I, wanted to, I found interesting as well is Mom had said before, that, I don't know if it was the finals or what, but she hinted that his injury was a lot more work, severe than what we thought. So people started speculating, oh, maybe he's not fully healthy or whatever. But what I found interesting was after that last game, she came out and made that comment on Twitter about um, he's a clone. We just sent the Draymond Green that we know that he could be, or whatever she had said. So that makes me believe that he is not that injured, because why would his mom come out and say something like that if she knew that he was actually battling with you know some crazy health issues right now today? Thank
1: so anyway, you, Jay, But I,
4: I expect him to step it up, yeah. and we're going to do it. Come on.
1: All right, thank you. I think that if I were his mom, then the last thing I would want to do is admit, uh, tell the Celtics, yes, he's hurt. So I don't know. I see that the other way. I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, the fact that his mom said, "I don't know what's wrong with him," to me that doesn't mean that. Oh well, I guess he's not hurt then because his mom would say that. I think she's smart enough to know. I can't. I can't go on
3: Twitter and say that he's injured
1: during the series.
3: Yeah, she she can't really say that. <laughs> nor nor has he. I, and and again, we don't even know if that's true. Yeah. But I do think that is the one thing you would not hear him talk about. Like he'll give you everything as far as they're in my head. They're this, but he will. He would never ever discuss if he was physically compromised. That's something we will probably hear about in a podcast after the series. Side note, Havlicek played 48 minutes a game in that series, averaged 28 and 11. So that's, that's, there's Hondo for you. But uh as far as Draymond's concerned to me and why people are coming down his road about how poorly he's played in these finals is because of the stats that get thrown out every single time he has a good game. Like, you know, they're, I'm not verbatim stating it, but like, oh, they're undefeated when he scores 10 points, or, you know, they're, they win 90% of the time when he makes two threes, so they want him to do that. But again, that's the, that's uh, not why that's they the win. other yeah. side of the coin. Yeah, like, it's typically, not cause and effect. Draymond by himself is not winning those games when right. he goes for 10 and 8 or whatever he, you know, right. the double digits. Right. But it's, I it's
1: think, coincidal,
3: it's not cause and effect. Yeah, the, the, the stats are selectively chosen. And, you know, when Draymond plays well, usually the rest of his team also plays well. That's why they're successful, because when he's at his best, he also tends to elevate the rest of everyone's game. By the way,
1: somebody is calling me out on the text line. LOL, what book, Whitey? Uh, Is this book you're reading just a blog? (laughs) It's called Tall Men in Short Shorts, okay? It's about the 1969 NBA Finals. It's really good if you're into that type of thing, but no, it was not a blog. Can I get it on my Kindle, Whitey? Probably. In my ebook, uh, e dog's ebook, absolutely, e-book. yeah, that'll be a feature coming up. E-dog's yeah, dog's ebook, yeah, it'll be a chapter about cake donuts. Ebook recommendations from the e dog. Surprised you don't have a hard book cover, Evan.
3: Hard book, well, that'd be oh, is that because I'm H dog now that I get demoted two letters?
1: Not as far as I'm concerned. Well, because you like black coffee and plain donuts. I mean, hardback book, I mean,
3: you know, I actually prefer a newspaper. That's a, in that's a two,
1: that's a two. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, give them a one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. No, yeah. I, yeah.
3: Yeah, I prefer my newspapers in person too. Let's go to Sin and
1: Hayward on ninety-five-seven. The game, Sin. Thanks for hanging on. What's up?
6: Oh, hi. Um, I call to say that I'm really sick and tired of everybody beating on Dr- Draymond. First of all, this is a team sport. It's not just him that needs to step up. It's the entire team. Curry is carrying everyone. Everyone needs to step up. There were so many mistakes made in the in the game. I could see there were people who looked like they didn't know what they were doing. It's just not fair to just beat him up all the time. Now, that being said, he, he is our inspirational leader. and if there, But I'm in the mindset of if our inspirational leader looks like there's something wrong or they're down, then the next man up. They always said next man up. We need to have the next man up. That's all I needed to say. I think the fans need to stop beating him up. And root for our team and hope for the
1: best. Thank you, Sin. I appreciate that very much. As far as uh, the emotional leader being down, someone needs to step up. That, to me, Evan and dear listeners, one of the things that was most impressive about Steph's last game, he did fill some of that emotional void that leadership void with the pounding on his chest. We've seen Steph do dancing, you know, after shots, but he that wasn't the Steph we saw Friday. That emotional leadership that Draymond has been providing, he was unable to provide it for whatever reason in Game 4. Steph provided that, yelling at the fans, pounding on his chest. And as far as Draymond's in, and, and you know, I don't know how other people feel. I'm not trying to pick on Draymond. I'm just trying to figure out, what's wrong? Because this is not the Draymond Green we're used to seeing,
3: especially in the most important games. And he's kind of the low-hanging fruit of the series at this point because, I mean, if you look at the entire playoffs, especially, let's go back to the Western Conference Finals, like he would typically play a good game, play a bad game, play a good game. Game 1, plus 25. Game 2, minus 19. Game 3, plus 19. Game 4, minus 18. Game 5, plus 11. So we'd become sort of used to him playing maybe not fantastic, but having a good game after a bad game, whereas he was not good in Game 3, and then he didn't play well in Game 4. So everyone's kind of looking at him like, well, you're supposed to be the bounce-back guy, right? Like, you incited all of the noise, all the critics, and you didn't step up. And maybe this is why people are coming down his road, because I can't remember a time when that's happened to Draymond, and why I was surprised that he didn't play well is because he is the guy... That allows himself to be the emotional punching bag, like you mentioned. He's the guy beating his chest to take away all the, you know, added intensity from taking his teammates. the focus. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Like he has. Uh, we for as much as we talk about Steph's gravity, Draymond has uh, kind of a, an emotional gravity to that. him. I love that. That we don't. I, get, I think really know how to kind of properly credit. Like Ray Ratto on our station has that kind of emotional gravity. <laughs> that is yes, he and and he is gravitous in in many ways. So, but th- that was the first time where we'd seen Draymond not step up and not play well in the the heat of in the heat of battle. So, to me, I would expect him to bounce back in Game Five and play well. And if he doesn't, then maybe we'll look at him differently. But you know, I, I think that's maybe the reason why people are kind of perplexed with his play.
1: Uh, from the 6 Draymond is undersized. Boston has a true big, why y'all not seeing this? Podcast is irrelevant. Let's go to Big Dan in Napa on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Big Dan, where are we with Draymond hey, Green? Are we going to hey, see... Hey, guys, oh, thanks
5: so much for taking my call. Are we going to see a um, big
1: game from Draymond in these finals? That,
5: uh, I, you know, I, I just wanted to say, um, I just feel like uh, it's okay to admit that that Draymond is having a slump right now. I mean, it's nothing about age. Nobody's been saying any of these, any comments like this since uh, the start of the playoffs. I mean, it's okay to just say you know he's just having a couple couple hard uh, games. It's a really good team, great competition, and um, he'll find his way. He's just kind of a, he's kind of worked through the adjustment. I mean, he did a great job against Denver, did a great job against the Mavericks, did a great job against Memphis. So you know, it's just. Um, it's, you know, happens in every sport. You know, you, you get a superstar who, uh, you know, isn't slamming uh, home runs or, you know, isn't getting the, the boards or whatever. But um, I, the only other thing I wanted to say was just that I feel like um, there was a woman who called a little while ago who said, uh, you know, having 20,000 people chant F you, I, I don't care what kind of competitor you are or how much you block out. Um, that's got to be a tough one. You know, that's just uh, you, don't, you don't really see that. In many sports, having you know yeah. profanity, good point, you know, kind of chanted at you. So I just, I d- I do think, um, I do think it's just okay to just say, hey, you're just having a couple bad games, and I really appreciate you guys taking my call. Thanks so much.
1: We appreciate you calling from apparently the middle of the Napa Highway there. Hopefully you're safe. Right? <laughs> that was scary.
3: <laughs> yeah, He's got the tower <laughs> buzzed.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, not to be redundant, but the reason I have a hard time believing that all the 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 vitriol from the Boston fans is the driving force here to Draymond's poor play is that it started in game 1 and that was in San Francisco. So maybe you're right though Big Dan, maybe. Hey, everyone has their slumps, right? Maybe just slump, but the surprising thing Evan, like you say, we're used to seeing him have big games. The thing that we're really not used to is to see Draymond in a big game where it's like is he out there? Where
3: having no impact. And he, that's the real surprise. He also he looked a little lost sometimes, which is very rare for a a cerebral player as we you know, as we talk about him and yeah. as he's shown himself to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the cerebral
1: aspect of this, and we'll get back to the phones in a moment, I mentioned earlier that Boston appears to have uh, an advantage when it comes to athleticism, um, and, but I think the Warriors have a, a much bigger advantage, and I think we really saw it at the end of the last game. We touched on this already. When these games bog down into half-court offense, as they do sometimes in the playoffs, we know that. Uh, The Warriors have Steph Curry, and they have a lot of players. They can run the offense through a couple, anyway. Draymond and Steph, and Boston still they struggle in the half court where it's like, who's, what are we doing now? And it's uh, Tatum like takes over, and too often for Boston's um, taste, too often his he's a little slow in his decision making um he gets a little mechanical then you know Marcus Smart's not a good point guard so so often playoff games come down to you know big possessions in the half court and that is probably Boston's biggest weakness right now cuz they don't really have a true point guard
3: yeah and i think they're three ball dependent which they were hitting in the first half of game 4 and then the threes just kind of didn't really fall in the second half and that to me happens when You get into a one-on-one game where a Tatum or Brown or Smart's got the ball, and they're able to get past the first defender, second line of defense. They kick it out, and that's kind of what their offense has been at its best when they're able to penetrate and find open shooters. they
1: attack and they draw and kick. You're right. They attack
3: the rim when they can. But if you don't have shot makers on a given night, then that strategy is moot. And I think that when it comes down to your point with half-court play – I thought the Warriors would struggle in half court settings because of how good Boston's defense is. What I didn't count on was how inconsistent their offense can be. And Tatum, when he is, you know, dishing the ball when it's moving, it's it's fantastic. But in the final couple of minutes, it's almost like they look at some guy and you kind of saw it towards the tail end of the conference finals, like they would just take possessions off where they'd say, Oh, absolutely. All right, like JB, you take the ball. Tatum, you take the ball. Smart, you take the ball. And they just go one on one. They you almost can't depend on that.
1: They almost lost game seven against Miami and they had a huge lead. And then it was bogged down, stagnant. Wait to let's run the shot clock down to four. Uh and it's too late to do anything by that point. And then Marcus Smart's gonna shoot a bad three.
3: Ah, oh, what's happening? Our lead is evaporating. What's going on? They they look like a team down the stretch of of finals games that although they have playoff experience and they've played in, I think Tatum has played in two conference finals, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have played in three conference finals, they look like a team that doesn't really know what to do in those situations. Like, they're talented enough to make shots, and Tatum, I think, maybe more so than the rest of them, thinks he can make everything, and he hasn't yet. But if you don't know what you're doing, the Warriors at least have a plan. Now, whether they can execute or not remains yes, to be seen. I agree. But they know what they're going to do in those situations. I don't think Boston does.
1: And, and another thing, you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned the numbers on Tatum and his shooting inside the arc, and it's 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 under 30. It's really yeah, low. I think you said it was like 26% or something. How many times have you seen him get to the basket in this series with the left hand and miss the layup or come up short? The Warriors are doing a great job of forcing him that way.
3: He ain't left-handed. So you, you and uh, you and JD talked about this a little bit after the game uh, in Game Four, how the Warriors are trying to make not only Tatum but everyone. Their that left-handed. was a quote, and I you know I thought he was kind
1: of being um, apocryphal. He says we try to make everybody play left-handed.
3: Yeah, that's one of the focuses of their defense. And yeah. sometimes they they can. Sometimes finish. I think
1: they literally
3: do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a bad strategy. You know, you play. I guess logically, you know, mm-hmm. probably shoot less with your offhand. Um, but I do think that's, well, the Celtics people have uh, in, in, you know, the national media have described them as a team that, that plays with their food. Like they don't really just go for the kill when they have the opportunity to. And I, I, I saw someone write that game four was a missed opportunity for Boston. I can't necessarily label it that because of how great Stephen Curry was, but there have, I mean, they had a chance to, you know, win game two. They were up by two, I think, at the break of that game, and then the Warriors' third quarter explosion happened.
1: Also, in that third quarter was when Boston's half-court offense, like boop, flatlined, boop, and they never recovered.
3: When when the threes are are falling, they are very very difficult to beat, but they just they kind of take possessions off. It's like it's almost unexplainable because of how talented they are, Mm -hmm. but I think that's where you see the 24-and-under factor start to play in.
1: Yeah, I agree with this. The nine two five last three minutes. uh, Boston, they weren't playing to win. They were playing not to lose. Yeah, I've seen them do that. We'll get back to the phones. Thanks for hanging on. 888-957-9570. More on Draymond there and whether we're going to see him bounce back in this series. And Steph Curry, is he the finals MVP? Win or hate to say it, lose! That's next year. Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings,
0: 95-7